Planes go by in the sky and leave white trails behind them. Most of us see this and think, wow, ice crystals. But others see a nefarious evil plot to take away our minds or our virility or introduce foreign substances into the soil or aliens or, I don't know, something or another. As soon as somebody starts talking about chemtrails, you sort of know where you stand with them. They're a conspiracy nut and can be easily dismissed especially since there seems to be little consensus about what exactly the problem with these white lines in the sky is. The only thing they seem to be able to agree upon is that it is not ice and it is not good. But is there any validity to these ideas put forth by chemtrailers? Is weather modification a thing? Are governments conspiring with corporations? Are we in the end just insects to the powers that be to be sprayed and experimented upon? That's what we'll look at in this episode of Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Thank you for listening, and I remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast. And if you like what we do, you can donate via our Buy Me a Coffee page. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber, filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. You and me watching watching the Jets. Jets. That's a line from the song Chemtrails by Beck on the album Modern Guild. In 1996, the U.S. Air Force's Air University published a research paper that looked into possible weather modification techniques like cloud seeding and fog dissipation. This built on earlier research, such as Project Storm Fury, which went from 1962 to 1983, and which looked at dropping silver iodide into tropical cyclones to weaken their storm walls. And Storm Fury itself was built upon earlier attempts to accomplish the same thing back in 1952 using soot. However, this 1996 report, which was titled, quote, Weather as a Force Multiplier, Owning the Weather in 2025, also looked at ways weather could be used to make things difficult for enemies in a conflict situation with the United States in the future. In other words, hinky stuff. Back then, the internet was starting to take off, and pretty soon, conspiracy hunters were chatting about this on forums, wondering if perhaps something more sinister than just trying to make it rain on enemy troops or weaken storms was going on. Say, some said, did you ever notice that when jets go by overhead, they leave these cloud-like lines in the sky, and those lines seem to linger a long time? What is that? What's in there? And where does it go? Does it go down onto the ground? Official word was that they're called contrails. 
A word coined in the early 1940s that is a shortening of condensation trail. But since official sources are sometimes used to spread lies and misdirection, that explanation automatically seems suspect to some. Sometimes those trails linger there a very long time, which means it has to be more than just water, which would evaporate quickly, right? I mean, maybe it's jet fuel mixed in with the water, and that by itself would be pretty bad, right? But what if it's something else, and that stuff is going down to the earth because of gravity, duh. Maybe it's some sort of crop dusting done way up there so as to cover a wider area. And as we all know, crop dusting is chemicals. Of course, crop dusters flying at about 30 feet, maybe as high as 150 feet if they're trying to target mosquitoes. And these chemtrail flights, as they're known by the conspiracists, fly about 20 to 30,000 feet, which would, of course, be totally ineffective for something like crop dusting or its equivalent. But that sort of reasoning doesn't go far. Believers notice contrails over cities and wonder if there are chemicals in there. Are they being spread accidentally or are they being spread on purpose? What if we are the crops? Around 1999, people with this notion in their heads started calling into Art Bell's coast-to-coast -coast AM radio show, claiming that this was, in fact, what was going on. From there, the concept of chemtrails spread like, well, like water vapor dispersed at a high altitude. So now the debate was not if something was going on, but what was going on. What chemicals are they spreading all over us, and to what end? And suddenly, federal agencies started getting lots and lots of phone calls from angry citizens demanding to know just what the hell the government was trying to pull here. So, in September 2000, the EPA partnered with three other agencies to publish the Aircraft Contrails Fact Sheet to put these people's fears to rest. This, it would turn out, was a mistake. Now, previously, the wise advice was to simply ignore conspiracy theories and theorists, and eventually they would just find something else to talk about. But government sources responded to this outlandish idea, so some people took it as proof that there was, in fact, something up, if you will, and this six-page document was some sort of lame cover story about humidity and ice crystals and a bunch of boring science stuff to cover up what was actually going on. And man, these contrails were everywhere. People started sharing pictures and videos of skies sometimes crisscrossed with multiple white lines, almost like a grid, which looks suspiciously like a systematic spraying pattern or, quote, a game of celestial tic-tac-toe, as the Contrail Slideshow webpage put it. And this wasn't just happening in America. This was a global problem. Plenty of people started to notice, and some of those people were pretty well-educated. In fact, an international survey by Environmental Research Letters in 2016 found that 17% of the world's population believes at least a little bit in some kind of, quote, secret large-scale atmospheric program. But many people latch on to the specificity of the chemtrail theory because, well, I mean, you can see them. Like retired nuclear quality engineer Philip Marie Sr. of New Hampshire, who told USA Today in early 2001, quote, This is blatant. This is in your face. It's almost like they're insulted by the fact that the evildoers are not trying to hide anything. The chemtrail narrative started to grow and spread. 
People taking commercial flights noticed that they couldn't see any trails on the planes they were on, and that was suspect. This is because contrails form several hundred feet behind the aircraft, and there are no rear-facing windows on such planes. But yeah, yeah, likely story, said the believers. Then the idea started going out that these weird lingering chemtrails actually came from special military aircraft. When it was pointed out that, well, I mean, you can actually see them being formed behind regular 747s and commercial flights and the like, some chemtrailers said, no, no, those are military planes made to look like commercial aircraft. Or, others said, they are remote-controlled airplanes with no human pilots because the chemicals that they're dumping into the atmosphere are so dangerous. And that also eliminates potential whistleblowers. Other people went further, suggesting that maybe the airline companies are in on it and are being paid off to dump whatever the hell it is they're dumping on the unsuspecting populace. So the aircraft contrails fact sheet, in fact, did nothing to alleviate the suspicions. And then in April 2001, Dennis Kucinich from Ohio's 109th District introduced House Bill H.R. 2977, titled the Space Preservation Act of 2001. This would have permanently prohibited the U.S. from putting weapons in space and tasked the current and future presidents with seeking a similar ban from all other nations in the world. Well, the Department of Defense didn't like it, and it got referred to various subcommittees and then went back to the House, and eventually it stalled in November. In the original wording of H.R. 2977, there was a reference to chemtrails because that had been in the zeitgeist, but this was later removed because, you know, it was silly and chemtrails aren't real. But some people took this fact that it originally referenced chemtrails and then that was removed to actually mean that there are some in the government who maybe want to ban space weapons, but they want their evil chemtrail experiment to continue unabated. But what the heck is it all about? What are they trying to accomplish with these chemtrails? Chemtrails Over the Country Country Club. Club. That's an album and a song by Lana Del Rey. Homo Nerens, or Man the Storyteller, likes for things to make cohesive sense, which means that generally we don't like unanswered questions. And even though there are plenty of accurate descriptions of just what is going on with contrails, once someone rejects those explanations outright, then the question sort of stays open in their minds and, well, the void has to be filled. So here are some of the more prevalent ideas that some of the trailers have decided is maybe what's really going on. It's about weather control. This is perhaps the most innocuous speculation, that it all somehow is about controlling the weather, either for warfare purposes or to alleviate the effects of climate change. There's certainly been plenty of thinking about this over the years. As mentioned before, there was the 21-year-long program called Project Storm Fury that thought dumping silver iodide into cyclone iron walls maybe would dissipate them. This inorganic compound is used in silver-based photography and is also used as an antiseptic. And because its physical structure is similar to that of ice, there have been experiments to see if clouds can sort of be tricked into freezing by inducing a process called heterogeneous nucleation. Silver iodide is just the latest substance to be introduced into clouds and storms. Back in 1947, the General Electric-backed Project Cirrus 
dropped 180 pounds of crushed dry ice into a hurricane off the American East Coast to try and modify it. When the hurricane, which had been heading east out to sea, abruptly changed direction back towards Savannah, Georgia, there was a bit of an outcry and lawsuits were filed against the government. Harvard defense lawyers showed that back in 1906, there had been a hurricane that had not been seeded that did exactly the same thing, so you really couldn't blame human intervention on this particular instance. Correlation is not causation. So, the lawsuits got dropped, and yet Project Cirrus got canceled just the same. Also in the 1950s, the UK had their own weather manipulation experiments going in something called Project Cumulus, which was nicknamed Operation Witch Doctor by clever types because it was supposed to make it rain. This caught the blame from some folks for the 1952 Linmouth Flood, where nine inches of rain fell in 24 hours, deluging a narrow valley through which the East Lynn River flowed, with 90 million tons of water falling in a single day. The river, of course, flooded, causing a huge amount of damage and killing 34 people. Conspiracy folks, yes, even back in 1952, pointed the finger at, quote, secret military cloud-seeding experiments, but authorities pointed out that A, Operation Cumulus was not secret, and B, they were only seeding individual clouds, which was certainly not enough to cause that kind of rainfall. Also, the entire southwest of Britain had experienced extremely heavy rainfall at that time, for whatever reason we don't really know, because we don't really understand how weather works. Americans also tried dropping other things into hurricanes to try and dissipate them. Soot flares, and then there was Project Baton, started in 1962, which tried a number of different chemicals introduced into selected storms to see what would happen. Then Storm Fury landed on silver iodide as the best candidate, and in one experiment in 1963, they saw a 20% reduction in wind speeds in Hurricane Beulah. In 1965, they considered trying again with Hurricane Betsy, but like that one back in 1947, it suddenly changed course and hit southern Florida, so they couldn't experiment with it. Fingers started to get pointed anyway, because somehow it got out that they had thought about interfering with Hurricane Betsy. But Storm Fury officials pointed out that there had been no seeding, so Betsy kind of did it all on her own. In 1969, they seeded Hurricane Debbie, and they saw winds drop by 31% in the first day and another 18% on the second day. Despite these minor successes, a viable, repeatable system really never came to fruition, and the project finally got shut down in 1983. The military also had their own cloud seeding program, which ran from 1967 to 1972, called Operation Popeye which aimed to make the monsoon season in Vietnam, especially over the Ho Chi Minh Trail, last longer so as to disrupt North Vietnamese supply lines by basically making the dirt roads unpassable mud pits. The slogan used by the air squadron that carried out the cloud seeding was, quote, make mud, not war, which is quite funny. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger and the CIA didn't bother to get approval from the DOD for Operation Popeye. When a brief mention of Popeye showed up in the Pentagon Papers, however, they stopped operations. The Secretary of Defense, who knew nothing about this, of course denied there was any such operation. And then when they found out that there really was, well, there were some angry conversations behind closed doors. Then the House and Senate passed a resolution banning environmental warfare in 1973, and Popeye got closed down. 
This led to the worldwide adoption of the Environmental Modification Convention, which prohibits the hostile use of weather modification. This was approved by the UN in 1976, and in 1977 it was signed by 48 countries. So, it turns out there really were some experiments along weather lines, and for at least one of these, there was something of an attempted cover-up. However, cloud seeding is still being conducted today by various countries for non-military purposes, notably in the UAE, where they claim to have increased rainfall by as much as 35% in some instances. So, chemtrailers think, maybe the lines in the sky are part of some ongoing program to make the weather behave in more predictable ways or lessen the effects of things like storms. Other ideas were explored in a 2009 documentary called How to Stop a Hurricane, including taking away a hurricane's heat source by pouring liquid nitrogen into the water under it, dumping soot into it so as to absorb sunlight and change the temperature of the air, or even by shooting lasers into it to create lightning, which would then dissipate the storm's energy. However, these remain ideas, and there is very little actual weather modification experimentation going on at the present time. Or to give Monsanto a monopoly. A more nefarious idea taps into our deep distrust of corporations. The idea is that crops are in fact being targeted by these chemtrails and some super secret chemicals, and because we don't understand the science behind them, we'll just call them magic, are being dropped on plants to make them sterile. The point of this is to make it so that only Monsanto genetically engineered seeds can survive and thrive, which would give them a global monopoly on the entire food production system for everyone, everywhere. Why Monsanto? Well, let's look into the history of Monsanto and see why they might be targeted by the conspiracists. Monsanto started in St. Louis in 1901 making chemicals. Founder John Francis Queenie's wife's maiden name lent its name to the company. Her family, the Monsantos, were Spanish Sephardic Jews who came to America in the 1760s by way of Amsterdam settling in Louisiana, where they engaged in many business ventures, but none was more lucrative than the African slave trade, which they were a major part of. So, you know, nice people. They expanded to Europe, where they also made aspirin and chemicals involved in rubber manufacturing. The company also then started making food products, notably things that contained caffeine and vanillin, as well as saccharin, a coal tar derivative used as an artificial sweetener. In the 1970s, some studies seemed to link saccharin to bladder cancer, and there was a big freakout about it, but then later research found out that this was probably not actually true. However, some of Monsanto's later work wasn't quite so sweet, and they became something of a real-world evil corp, at least in some people's minds. In 1935, they bought another chemical company in Alabama and started making polychlorinated biphenyls, or PCBs, which would turn out to be highly carcinogenic, getting banned in the U.S. in 1979 and worldwide in 2001. During World War II, the company started making the insecticide DDT, a highly poisonous substance that would get banned in 1972. They also bought a laboratory in Ohio that headed the Dayton Project, which aimed to produce the radioactive metal polonium for the Manhattan Project. 
After the war, they founded Mound Laboratories in Miamisburg, Ohio, which helped develop neutron-generating triggers for America's nuclear weapon arsenal. And they continued to buy companies developing things like laundry powders, synthetic fibers, polyurethane polymers, like what you find in kitchen sponges. And in 1954, they partnered with the German company Bayer to form the Mobe Chemical Corporation. One of the products made by Mobe was a defoliating herbicide acid that was used to make Agent Orange, sprayed all over Malaysia by the British in the 1950s and Vietnam before and during the Vietnam War by the Americans. Use of Agent Orange was part of something called Operation Trail Dust, and the Agent Orange section was codenamed Operation Ranch Hand, and their unofficial slogan was, quote, only you can prevent a forest. Of course, Agent Orange has been linked to a number of problems for Vietnam vets exposed to it. But it wasn't all bad. One team did develop L-DOPA, an effective treatment for Parkinson's, and that team got themselves a Nobel Prize in chemistry. Monsanto was also the first company to mass manufacture LEDs, which would become standard in numerous electronics devices like calculators and digital watches. And in 1974, they started a 10-year grant program with Harvard University for cancer research, the largest grant program of its kind ever. Then in the 1980s, they got into agribiotech and in the 90s pioneered genetic modification of plants and seeds. They sold off some of the more profitable subsidiaries and products like NutraSweet, focusing on becoming the largest producer of seeds in the world. They worked on developing and improving GERTS, which stands for Genetic Use Restriction Technology, sometimes also called suicide seeds or terminator seeds. These are seeds that produce plants that themselves have no seeds, which basically creates one-use crops, and next season requires the farm to purchase yet more seeds, from Monsanto, and the cycle continues every year forever. However, this tech never got up to a commercial scale, and several protests later, they ended up agreeing not to introduce Terminator tech into the market. The patent expired in 2015. In 1999, they merged with the Swedish-American pharmaceutical company Pharmacia and Upjohn. The following year, Pharmacia split its agrobiotech parts off into what they called the new Monsanto. This new Monsanto continued to do business independently after Pharmacia was sold to the American pharma biotech company Pfizer in 2003. This new Monsanto has become infamous among small and medium-scale farmers for selling their patented genetically modified seeds, which are not terminator seeds and can produce plants of their own, and then swooping down and demanding payment when some of their seeds drift from one farm who paid for them to another farm who did not. They also make farmers they sell to sign agreements not to save any seeds produced by the plants for the next planting. And a few times, they have gone after farmers who planted non-GMO seed crops near farms that used Monsanto seeds and then selectively bred their plants to have the same characteristics as the GMO varieties. Monsanto claims that these farmers have effectively stolen the intellectual property contained in their seeds without paying for them. All pretty dicey stuff morally and legally. Oh, and... 
Monsanto dumps enormous amounts of chemicals into the water supply. Basically, they're big and they're bullies and they have a long history of not really caring all that much how their products affect people or the environment. So it's no surprise that conspiratorial speculation would connect supposed chemtrails to Monsanto, since there's already a lot of opposition to genetically modified foods, which frankly there shouldn't be, and that's a whole separate topic, and we'll do a future episode on that. Plus, there are some nice dog whistles contained in the Monsanto story for suspicious minds like DDT, Agent Orange, and for the anti-Semites out there, the fact that the company was named after a family of slave-trading Jewish people. Or it's about mind control. A theory that's a bit wilder is that we the people are the intended targets of the aerial spraying and that what they're dropping on our unsuspecting heads is something. But the main point is that whatever they're spraying, its purpose is to make us docile and receptive to instructions from the elites. This notion is also trotted out by those who think water fluoridation is some sort of evil plot to corrupt our precious bodily fluids like the John Birch Society and Colonel Jack D. Ripper in the movie Dr. Strangelove. Maybe it's fluoride, maybe it's something else, but anyway, they're making us into actual sheeple. Of course, all you have to do is look around and see that people are not becoming calmer and more docile. In fact, quite the opposite seems to be true, at least in the United States. Or maybe there are effects down the line that have yet to manifest. Like maybe these magic chemicals they're spraying will induce hypnotic obedience once the Illuminati slash lizard people slash Anunnaki finally reveal their true intentions and at long, long last usher in the new world order. Sterilization. Every conspiracist worth his, her, or their salt knows that the reason that they haven't taken over the world yet in some sort of overt fashion is because there are just too many of us to effectively control. So reducing the population to around 2 billion globally has to happen first. I don't know why 2 billion, but that's the number that most New World Orderers trot out. What do chemtrails have to do with this nefarious plot? Well, you see... The chemicals that are raining down upon us from these mysterious flights are making us sterile. I mean, look at the dropping birth rates in Western countries. There's proof right there. There's been much talk since the 1970s about some kind of fertility crisis, especially in men. And a new study recently came out that said actually sperm counts are dropping worldwide. So maybe there is some validity in that notion or not, or it could be that maybe men just spend a whole lot of time thinking about their penises. And I'm going to say this, if you're having difficulty getting or maintaining an erection, fellas, the problem is probably not up in the sky. Or suppressing or changing human evolution. Since science misunderstood might as well be magic to the uninformed, why not go further and say that chemtrails are causing tiny genetic changes in humans that are either altering our genome, so our offspring are slowly being made into something else, or suppressing natural evolution? 
What if we need to change as humans to survive in the world we're making? One that will almost certainly see a global temperature rise of at least 2 degrees Fahrenheit and maybe as high as 9 degrees by the end of the century. This will of course mean food and water scarcities, more extreme weather events, species dieouts, and probably some consequences we haven't foreseen because, as I said earlier, we don't really understand how the weather works. So maybe we're being genetically altered so that our children and their children can survive what's coming. Or maybe it's so that they can survive on other planets because we might have to just abandon the Earth one day. The other side of that speculative coin is that the secret powers that be are trying to de-evolve us to make us into a slave species, or they're trying to curtail a natural evolution change that is occurring in Homo sapiens sapiens. This is promoted by people who also talk about things like the indigo children who are supposed to be so unbelievably advanced that they just can't seem to hold down any kind of a steady job. Or... Another notion that's floating around there in evangelical circles is that humans are having their genetic code rewired so that they will no longer be recognized as human when Jesus returns during the second coming, thus preventing all of us from being saved. So there's a religious angle, if you prefer. Or just spread disease. Yes, the chemtrails are spreading COVID-19. Because isn't COVID-19 in everything these days? I guess that would be that the chemtrails seen in the decades before 2020 were all test runs. Or maybe COVID itself is a test run for some even worse virus that will be rained down upon our heads. And then you get back into population control and depopulation conspiracy theories. See, it's nice to see how these things can help reinforce each other. Now, while some chemtrailers have specifically mentioned COVID-19, the idea that it's all about disease has been around for quite a while. Some track what they see as outbreaks of various diseases and viruses after chemtrails are spotted over an area. These range from respiratory illnesses to the flu and even sometimes just a rash of headaches. One couple claimed that they had discovered chemtrails contain, quote, unknown biological components, and even, quote, an oil-based substance of unknown content. They did this by analyzing rainwater using incredibly spurious pseudoscientific methodologies. A Utah man who claims to be an expert on chemtrails, Clifford E. Conicom, made a tedious hour-and-a-half documentary called Aerosol Crimes, a.k.a. Chemtrail Crimes just in case you didn't get it, that delves deep into his confused ideas as to what chemtrails are and why they're being spread everywhere. He started off back in April 1998 writing about supposed biological testing on unsuspecting Americans, then HARP up in Alaska, and then contrails, and then he switched to chemtrails in August, presumably after hearing about it on Art Bell's Coast to Coast AM radio show. And then he went on to write hundreds of blogs over the next 12 years. His theory is always evolving, going into speculation that chemtrails contain magnesium or calcium or titanium, gets into barium for a long time, and then metallic salts, and finally, what he calls mysterious microscopic fibers that burrow into human skin and are today known as Morgellons disease, which we did a whole episode on in the past, so we don't need to go into that here. 
His website, Aerosol Operations, morphed into the Carnicom Institute, which sounds a lot more legit and a lot less, well, nutty. He's still really into the Morgellons thing and has gone on to develop a whole very complicated theory about what he terms, quote, blood alterations. These involve the human race, or at least Americans, being altered genetically so that some have an implanted kill switch, as he terms it, that will be triggered by an electromagnetic pulse from someplace like HARP. So, he has managed to combine several of the chemtrail ideas into an overarching one that he says in one of his three October 6, 2022 posts, quote, may or may not happen. Well, that's certainly true enough. It's aliens! You knew they were going to show up. And then there are those who seek ultimate answers far beyond our skies. Maybe the chemtrails are spreading alien larvae, which are incubating inside of us right now, waiting for the parent race to arrive when they will hatch alien-like or maybe take over our bodies, puppet masters-like. Or... And then there are those who think the purpose of chemtrails is one of obfuscation. You see, these grids or chemicals in the air spread out, creating cloud cover. This cloud cover makes it impossible for us to detect the approach of Planet X, also known as Nibiru, a hidden planet in our solar system inhabited by the giant humanoid Anunnaki who created the human race as slave labor millennia ago and who are due to return any day now as their planet drifts into the inner solar system as it does every four or five thousand years. Of course, chemtrails will be totally useless and hiding Nibiru's approach from orbiting telescopes, but I'm sure there's a separate sub-conspiracy out there about that someplace. Excuse me while I kiss the sky. A line from Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Most people get woke to the chemtrail conspiracy by reading about it on the internet, especially through social media channels and YouTube videos. Depending on various polls and studies, about 8-9% to of Americans believe that chemtrails are a real thing and have some kind of nasty purpose, while another 14% think at least it's probably partly true. A fascinating thing about this conspiracy theory is that many who wake up to it express it as happening in kind of a, a road to Damascus kind of a way, a sudden revelation that almost feels like religious revelation. And like Paul who was Saul, they often feel motivated to become extremely active in getting the word out about whichever version of the theory that they realized was, quote, true. They also like to do things like send death threats to geoengineering and weather academics, two groups of people you would think would be immune from death threats. Once chemtrailers have started to pay attention to things above their heads, it's like an obsession. Some trailers even take umbrage with skywriting. There's a video on YouTube from 2011 that shows a pilot using his plane to spell out, quote, God equals, and then a smiley face, and then a little bit further on in the sky, the term Jesus loves. That seems like a nice enough message, but the video is titled, quote, Chemtrail Pilot Clearly Mocks Us With His Skywriting. So the content of the message is not so much a problem as the medium. 
One person in the comments says that they think they can detect, quote, orbs and demons, aliens, in the video. For the record, I looked and there are no such things in that footage. If this is what they think about a skywriter who writes pro-Christian messages, you have to wonder what they made of the U.S. Navy pilot who back in 2017 drew a giant penis in the sky over Okanagan, Washington. One trailer trope is that before the 1990s, contrails didn't last in the sky as long as they do now, and that proves that something has changed. This is, however, not true at all, as looking at photos of the sky from the decades before clearly show why there are even pictures of contrails from way back in World War II. And there are plenty of mediocre to bad Photoshop images out there supposedly showing things like a switch on an airplane instrument panel labeled chemtrails or what are said to be chemtrail vents on passenger jets and the like. I mean, it really makes you wonder. If you think chemtrails are real, then why are you taking the time to mock up a bunch of fake images? Just go get the evidence. Trailers have all sorts of proofs they like to trot out and try and wake the sheeple. In addition to the spurious claim that back in the olden days, contrails only lasted a few seconds, there's the so-called black ray or black beam. This is a contrail, I'm sorry, chemtrail that is white, like you would expect, but at a certain point, the white stops and instead there's a shadowy black line continuing along the trail's path. This clearly indicates the chemical mixture being sprayed by the plane has been changed to a different one. Or, these are shadows. Sometimes, these are shadows caused by the light from a low sun, like near sunset or sunrise, that happen to strike the contrails sort of head-on, making a long, drawn-out shadow behind it, since everything up in the sky works in three dimensions. Clouds often cast shadows of some kind or another when the conditions are right, and a contrail really is just a kind of a cloud. That whole three dimensions thing takes a little bit of getting your head around, since we usually see shadows as a two-dimensional thing. Another cause of black beams is what's known as volumetric shadow or edge shadows. Like when a shadow cast by a contrail is viewed from a certain angle edge on, it can look from that particular angle like a line. You can replicate this at home yourself by getting some sort of smoke or dust into a room near a window that sunlight is streaming through and then moving around viewing the shadows that are cast through the window from different angles. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah well, 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 we have we evidence have, that, some that some people have admitted, have admitted that chemtrails are real. Are real. What, what about, about that? That, that, that? Well, that's all faked or at least altered. Take the 2007 German news report that talked about military planes deploying chaff during test maneuvers. Chaff is a radar countermeasure made up of tiny bits of plastic or glass or aluminum dispersed in a small cloud to confuse enemy radar and missile tracking. But when Epiphany Productions uploaded this news clip to their YouTube channel, the English subtitles neatly substituted the German word for chaff with the English term chemtrails. And lo, just like that, a rather poorly made piece of television journalism was now presented as proof of chemtrails. Clearly, they were banking on none of the audience being able to speak German. And by the way, the German word for chemtrail is chemtrail. Another video uploaded in 2011, since removed, showed a, quote, harp chemtrail whistleblower pilot pulling the lid off the whole conspiracy, but it turned out later that that guy was trolling the chemtrailers to see how easy it would be to fool them. 
And then there are various claims of finding proof in Doppler radar traces, which actually detect precipitation. And after Hurricane Sandy, several wingnuts started crowing about how it had been caused by harp, like the truly nutty Reverend Michelle Hopkins, who said there was proof from radar and satellite imagery. She is, of course, wrong, just like she was wrong about proof of harp-induced earthquakes in 2012, about an asteroid that was going to hit the Earth in October 2012, fake snow in 2014, and oh, so much more. And one thing is for sure, she really doesn't like harp. Every time time it rains, rains, you're here in my head. head. A line from the Kate Bush song, Cloud Busting. The science is out there for anyone to see, and it's just really not that hard to understand. Yet, conspiracy belief is just that. It's a belief, and beliefs are seldom countered with facts. Even Edward Snowden told Joe Rogan that he'd seen pretty much all all of the information the intelligence community had about chemtrails and quote chemtrails are not a thing that's what he said he also by the way said he could find no evidence that the government is hiding aliens while most people who actually understand things like condensation and humidity and contrails tend to just ignore chemtrailers british science writer mick west has actually made a whole website devoted to debunking them It's called Contrail Science, the science and pseudoscience of contrails and chemtrails. And it's chock full of pictures, scientific data, and more that takes on specific claims about chemtrails and then calmly but mercilessly dismantles them. This website is a companion to his metabunk.org site, which does the same thing with other pseudoscientific conspiracy claims. He's also written a book titled Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic, and Respect, and he runs the Tales from the Rabbit Hole podcast. He's a busy guy. Well, the naysayers are clearly bought off or in on the conspiracy in some way, say the believers. And some debunkers are actually shills paid by the evil grand conspiracy to mock the totally reasonable planes of those who have woken up to the plot. But trailers don't just post videos on YouTube complaining they've been, quote, sprayed like bugs and then worrying about their erections. Some of them are being quite proactive. A few are hearkening back to earlier pseudoscience, like constructing cloud-busting machines based on the designs of Wilhelm Reich. Reich was talked about at length in a previous episode about the Vril, but in short, he thought there was a light blue-colored energy called orgone permeating everything in the world, and that this energy could be enhanced by sexual arousal and focused using special machines that he designed that harnessed this energy. And this energy could then be used in concentrated invisible beams to fight evil UFOs. Orgone has made a comeback with some chemtrailers who build devices that are basically hollow tubes filled with metal filings or tiny crystals, which they aim at chemtrails, and voila, the things disperse. Of course, they would disperse anyway, but hey, you can't can't prove it wasn't because of my tube filled with aluminum shavings. The Lust for Life website has a whole bunch of stuff about an alien world order, quote-unquote. But for our purposes, they also have a PDF supposedly written by a company called Metatech titled Chemtrails Destroyed that details how to build your very own cloud buster using a plastic bucket, six copper pipes, some quartz, some metal particles, a bit of plywood, and some resin. It's so so easy. easy. While an orgone cloudbuster might be fairly inexpensive to build, it still seems like a lot of work. 
So fortunately, there are some clever, clever folks out there who have found an easier solution to the chemtrail problem. Vinegar. 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 That's right. All you have to do is get a standard spray bottle like you'd use for misting your plants or trying to train the cat to stay off the top bookshelf. Fill it with vinegar. Stand on the ground. Point the mister up at the offending chemtrail, which is 20 to 30,000 feet above your head. That's three and a half to five and a half miles, by the way. And then you pump that handle, spraying a fine mist of vinegar in front of you. And wow, after a little time, like 10 to 40 minutes, the chemtrail dissipates. And if you do this regularly, you can keep the skies above you chemtrail free all the time. One interesting thing to note is that 95% of vinegar is water, with the other 5% being a type of acid. Even when vaporized through the amazing technology of a $2 spray bottle, this acid is heavier than air. So actually, it just drops right down immediately and then damages parts of your lawn. The water, of course, lingers in the air a bit longer, actually making the air around you a little bit more humid than it was before. And that's funny because contrails form in humid conditions. There's further good news from the astonishing Green Ink website, whale.to, which really has to be seen to be believed. Hidden in there among the web pages about vaccines causing autism, mafia reptilians, Holocaust denial, 9-11 nonsense, lots of Wilhelm Reich stuff, and quite a few animal pictures, there's one about chemtrails, oddly enough, indexed under the letter B. And a little halfway down one of the rather long pages on chemtrails, there's some good news. We have help in the skies against what John Scudamore, a pig farmer from England and the author of all this content, calls, quote, fascist geoparasites. This help is from amorphous aliens he calls sylphs. Or maybe they aren't aliens per se, but perhaps, quote, highly evolved etheric beings who work with the spirit of the air. You see that sylphs live underground and release clouds that are either triangle-shaped or sort of wispy, wing-like in structure to heal areas of the earth that need it. These sylphs are working on behalf of humanity and all life on earth and are a principal antagonist against what Scudmore likes to call the New World Odor. It might be, in fact, that these lovely wing-like clouds you see sometimes are physical manifestations of the sylphs. Now, the sylphs are just one type of being that he calls wingmakers. Other types of wingmakers include angels and even some larger birds of prey. These, quote, warrior angels, like hanging out with the Andromedans, who I guess are beings from the Andromeda galaxy, and are trying to realign our world with the divine plan. And one way they do that is by dissipating chemtrails and eating the, quote, chem soup, as the Etheric Warriors website calls it. Why, they don't even need vinegar. So condensed water and ice in human conditions that have been observed since the early days of human mechanized flight create contrails, which no one can actually deny exist. But are they also a mysterious mixture of chemicals designed to kill plants or make humans stupid or sterile to infect the planet with alien spawn or hide our approaching alien overlords from ground-based observation? You should know the answer to that. And if you really do think chemtrails are a real thing, well, beliefs are hard to shake, especially when they give you a sense of community and fulfillment, even while confronting the horror, the horror. 
Whichever evil endgame you think is coming down the way, you will certainly have a long, long time to wait because it ain't coming. Vinegar or no vinegar. In the meantime, I leave you with the words of Ned Scotty Scott at the end of the 1951 film The Thing from Another World, which John Carpenter remade in 1982. Quote, Tell the world, tell this to everybody wherever they are. Watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the skies. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearing House. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.